You're listening to today's inspirational message on pursuing God with Gene Apple. Here's Gene. This week is a special Holy Week edition of Pursuing God as we walk through some of the significant moments in the life of Jesus and the disciples that culminated in the events on Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday, which of course we'll be celebrating on all our Eastside campuses this weekend. No visit to Jerusalem is complete without a visit to a site that commemorates the upper room where Jesus gathered with his disciples on Thursday night of that first Holy Week to share in the Passover meal together. Now this is the same room where the disciples would huddle in fear after the crucifixion of Jesus. The same room that they would gather in again while they waited and prayed for the Holy Spirit to come after his resurrection. And of course, this is the same room where the church began on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit descended and filled the followers of Jesus. Of course, part of the Passover meal that they gathered to celebrate that night involved wine, symbolic of the blood of a perfect lamb that was put on the doorpost the night the death angel many years earlier passed over the homes of the Israelites. Also a part of that meal was unleavened bread because the Israelites would leave Egypt in a hurry and there would not be time for the bread to rise. What amazes me most about the events in the upper room that night is not what food was served because that was completely predictable. But what surprises me is who was served? Who was on the guest list? Luke 22 says, When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover meal with you before I suffer. I have eagerly desired to eat this meal with you. Now, who is Jesus talking about? Who was invited to the table that night in the upper room? Who had he been eagerly looking forward to eating this Passover meal with? Well, invited to gather around that table that night are 12 guys that Jesus had invested three years of his life teaching them about selflessness, about servanthood. For three years, he had modeled for them with his life that the greatest among you is the greatest servant of all. These are the same guys who had all arrived in the upper room that night with dirty feet from the dust-filled, manured, littered roads of the day. It was the custom of the day for the first one to arrive to get a bowl of water, a towel, and basin, and and wash the dirty feet of the others. But not a single one of them had been willing to play the role of the servant, getting down to wash the dirty, dusty feet and clean the sandals of the others. And an argument even breaks out among them that night over which of them will be the greatest in the kingdom of God. I mean, can you believe that? So I can only imagine how humbled, even humiliated they were when the greatest among them gets up without any fanfare and walks around by the water basin and goes around the table, grabs the towel, and one by one, like a common household servant, washes all their dirty feet. Thomas. Matthew, James, John, Bartholomew, Andrew, and all the rest. Every single one of these disciples would abandon and run away from Jesus that night when he needed them most. 
And of course, also gathered around that table was the big-talking, brash fisherman, Simon Peter, who would boast that night, even if all fall away, even if everyone else abandoned you, Lord, I, I never will, even if I have to die. This is the same guy who was going to curse and swear in a few hours that he didn't even know Jesus. But Jesus goes ahead and wipes and cleans the feet of the one who would disown him three times that night before the rooster crowed. And then also invited around the table that night another one of the guys that Jesus had been eagerly looking forward to sharing this meal with was the betrayer, Judas. Jesus was fully aware that Judas had already made arrangements with Jesus' enemies to lead them to Jesus after dark. Judas was so quietly deceptive, so sneaky, that none of the others even suspected him. Jesus knew that his friend, this colleague, this guy he had invested three years of his life in, was about to trade all of that for 30 pieces of silver. And yet he says to Judas, he says to Peter, he says to the dirty-feated disciples who were worried about who was the greatest and, and who would run and abandon before the night was over, he says, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover meal with you. And think about it. He takes the broken bread representative of what would happen to his body in the coming hours. And he takes the cup symbolic of his blood that was going to be poured out. And he says to arrogant, selfish disciples, to a swearing, boastful, brash fisherman who would deny him, and a group treasurer who would betray him. Eat this. Drink this. In remembrance of me. If there's nothing else you remember about this upper room, I hope you'll remember that the upper room is a place of radical acceptance. It's a place where Jesus says to imperfect people like us, I know what you've done. I know what you're about to do, but I still love you and still accept you. I want you to remember the upper room is a place where Jesus says to people like Peter, to people like Judas, to people like you and me, whatever you have done, whatever you have become, it doesn't matter. You may have committed tabloid-worthy sins, scandalous sins, awful moral failure sins, but you are accepted here. The upper room is a place for self-centered disciples. It's a place for foul-mouthed, fickle followers of Jesus like Peter. It's a place for those who have been immoral. It's a place for people who have made mistakes in their lives, who've hurt other people, who have darkness inside of their hearts. It's for Judas-like people who are carrying secret sins that no one even knows about, not even those closest to you. The upper room is a place of radical acceptance. Whatever you have done, whatever you are about to do, it doesn't matter. You are accepted here. A songwriter wrote these lyrics, No greater love has ever been known to us. No deeper grace could ever be shown to us. God, our creator, sent us a savior who suffered and died, laid down his life. Wonderful love. God, we are overwhelmed by the wonderful love that you extended that night and 
knowing what those disciples were about to do, you still eagerly looked forward to that time with them. And God, thank you that you eagerly look forward to times with us when we draw close to you, when we pray, when we gather around your communion table, when we just take the time to acknowledge you and say thanks. You are an amazing God. Thank you for the example of Jesus that night. Thank you for your grace, for your wonderful love, we pray in his name. Amen. Hey, I hope you can join me back here tomorrow as we visit the Garden of Gethsemane.